Welcome to season four of Handpicked. This is about people grilling me to get my business experience, to help them grow their And what's businesses. great is we get to learn, discover and meet incredible business owners who are really up to some very interesting things. Anyway, enjoy. Maybe you've got some questions for the next season. This founder, Venkatesh, has been in business for a number of years. And is it time to dream, to think of a bigger game? What could the next five years look like? Often as business owners, we almost don't dare to dream, let alone follow them up because we're so busy in our daily activities. Here's some ideas on how to get you working on your business rather than in your business. Let's hear a little bit about your business. So my name is Venkatesh Kanchan, and I'm the founder director of Broadweb Digital. Uh, we started back in 2014, so coming up to 10 years next year. So there are two essential arms of the business. So one of them is technology services. So we help businesses with their custom web and mobile application development needs. So businesses come to us and say, you know, none of the off-the-shelf solutions are working for them. They have very specific requirements. So we build something custom for them. And that also helps them with having a competitive advantage in the market. The other side of the business is digital marketing services. So we help businesses optimize their online presence. Uh, by, by doing so, we help them increase their reach and revenue. So that can take shape by way of us looking at the website and saying, you know, you're getting a lot of traffic to your website, but it's actually not converting. So how can we actually get people who come to your website lead to more leads and sales for you? Or it might be actually increasing their footprint across various marketing channels. So we work with businesses small and large. Some of them are even ASX-listed companies because really everyone can benefit from you know, increasing their online presence. So in a nutshell, yeah, that's about me and Broadway Digital. Right. So anyone can benefit? I think that's an interesting statement. So when you think about what is your purpose, which is, you know, how you're making a difference to humanity, you know, what would it be? So really it is about doing more with less. So as we know, you know, especially in the world of AI, businesses are really, and, and the economic environment, businesses are really trying to get their budget to go further with them. So technology is really helping that. And more and more businesses that were doing things traditionally, you know, offline, uh, actually, it's going online. So, you know, as we have seen with COVID, for example, you know, many businesses now have opened up to actually transacting with people across, you know, regions without actually having to fly there, which is actually good for the climate. And what is good for the climate is good for humanity. So I feel like overall, just helping businesses understand what they can do with technology is, is the purpose of the company. Fantastic. So what have you got for me today? So my first question for you is, you know, what are some of the key things a small business should focus on to break the, you know, mythic, magical $1 million revenue mark? Yeah, and I guess revenue can be vanity. Mm -hmm. You know, $1 million, it sounds like a lot, but if it costs you $2 million to get there, it's not really a good idea. Yeah. So, you know, people can buy market share. So I think far more important to me is uh, the reason why I asked the question about purpose is what's far more important to me is the number of people you're making a difference to. And when you focus on what the outcome is of your work, then other things will flow. So 
I have always really worked in sales and obviously marketing because I'm a marketer. And I, I remember back in the day, it was always push, push, push when it came to budgets and forecasts. And if, if we didn't meet the, you know, if, if we didn't meet the number, then what was happening and what was going wrong. And when I shifted it to being about our big, hairy, audacious goal, and back in the day, we were changing gifting in Australia forever. And um, it was, how are we going to know when we're successful? Well, that's when we've served. 10% of the Australian population, which is 2 million experiences. And it sounded like a massive number. But when I started focusing on the number of experiences we were delivering, so and, and for every one of those experiences, a supplier is benefiting because they're getting a customer. And also the people who do the activity are benefiting. But I also know for everyone sold, at least two people would know about our brand. So when I started looking at the number of people that I'm impacting and I focused on that and then I inspired the team around me about the economic impact we were having on community um, and I was talking to one of our suppliers many, many years later, but there was before this um, COVID break we've all had, but I talked to him and I said, and he said, do you realise that when I, I didn't, one thing he said is we didn't think we were getting old together, but we're growing old together. He said, um, back in the day, I had one balloon and 900 passengers when we started working together. Now I've got 23 balloons and 19,000 passengers, and it's got even more than that now. So when you see that impact that you have, it's very inspiring. The other thing he said was he works in the Hunter Valley, and he said, you know, for everybody who comes to the Hunter Valley, it's just not my business that's growing. He said it's the accommodation. Everybody goes to a winery. It's the restaurants. He says, I think they spend at least $1,000 elsewhere. And so then you say, well, one customer equals $1,000 of economic impact. And so when you tell that story about the economic impact you are having on community in your ecosystem, it's really inspiring for people. And then the money comes. It just, because... When you focus on something and it's all about the money and it's all about the push, 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 then it's all about you. When you shift it to being all about your customers, all about your contribution, then it comes. Yeah, and it's a, much, it's a much more gorgeous conversation to have with people yeah. about the work that we're doing, the outcomes we're delivering. Like I loved something that you said, you know, we're saving people time, we're making them efficient and, and you know, everybody's feeling the pain. I go, yes, we are. We're all feeling the pain. So you, you're really on to something, but it's how you inspire those around you. The money will come. So really get your purpose sorted and the revenue and profits will follow. Yeah. And I've seen that in the work that I do as well. And it's not just your purpose. It's also your scorecard. Because you want a scorecard that is not based on we need to get to a million dollars and we need our gross margin to be X, Y, and Z. You'll know fundamentally if you have this many customers with an average margin and an average that you will get there. But you're talking about people and that's the inspiring and the BHAG is around people. Yeah. Now you said scorecard and that reminded me of this article that I read about external scorecard versus internal scorecard. My external scorecard is your metrics for the business. But internal scorecard is, you know, how well do you do your work, you know, striving for excellence and quality and things like that. And when you focus on that, the rest should follow that. So that's great advice. Thanks for that. So the other question I have is, 
how would you actually change the perception of prospective clients that think you're probably risky to work with because you're perceived as too small for them, even though your quality of work may actually be better than bigger competition. They just feel like it's probably too risky to work with you because of the size of your business. Yeah. And, you know, so that's how do you build your authority and how do you build trust? And, you know, one of the great things about working with smaller enterprises is you get lots of dedicated attention because you're really important to them. And not only that, we're not paying for the overheads. You know, sometimes I walk into those big professional services firms and their reception is bigger than our whole company, you know. And I was <laughs> like, oh, my goodness, and I'm paying for this somehow. So it is a it is a balancing act because they need to know that you've got the bandwidth, that you don't want to be the key man. And if you are uh, the key man in every conversation, then they'll feel vulnerable. So one of the things is to show them or introduce them to other team members and talk about the bandwidth and how you can bring teams together to solve problems quickly, but you don't maintain the overheads so it doesn't cost them anything. You know, I think that that's a very important message to give to people. Back in the day before I started Red Balloon, I had a freelance marketing group and um, I had one or two um, team members who were there all the time. But most people, I would put the right people for the right project together, and it was all about my networks. But the challenge that I had in that business and the reason why I couldn't scale it was because I was the key man. Like everybody wanted to talk to me. And that meant that it was either feast or famine. So you've got to really look at, I've I've got to get more voices than my own uh, in these sales conversations uh, to build the trust and to show people the bandwidth. Yeah, that makes sense. So you touched upon scaling there, so which is related to my next question. You know, Do you have any suggestions on scaling fast? Because all businesses want to scale, but sometimes businesses scale too fast and the quality of their service deteriorates. So how do you actually scale fast but still maintaining that quality of service? Do you have some tips? So I'm going to re- return serve with a question on constraint. So what is the bottleneck in your business? The reason why I say that is if you're able to observe what is the bottleneck, then you can go to work on fixing that as a system, as a process. And then when you've lifted that constraint, then you're able to scale. But there is something that is holding you back. If you've been in business since 2014, and you've not scaled to where you know you can be, you've got to really clearly look at the constraint. It might be the key man issue. And um, so until you solve that, you actually can't put in place all of the things that we know, such as having your one-page strategic plan, your shared sense of values, the how you recruit into the business, your cash flow, your ability to execute, your scorecards, all of the things that we know that will help you scale uh, the rhythm in your business, the communication and so forth. But until you uh, work on the constraint, those things will just frustrate the hell out of you. No, no, I think that's some fantastic advice. And you were right in the key man issue being a potential bottleneck. So thanks for that. Um, you know, businesses can look at multiple KPIs to grow, um, you know, but obviously you want to kind of really distill it down to a handful so what would you say are the three main KPIs a business should focus on to grow? Well, cash is everything. Like if you haven't got the cash, you can't change the world. 
So and understanding where cash flows and how it flows through a business is really, really important. I think also using realistic business metrics to make sure that your gross margin is real gross margin. I know somebody who works in consulting and I think because they've earned a certain amount on a day that that's what they've earned. When they don't realise a third goes to the tax office, a third goes to paying their overheads, and they're lucky if they've got a third left over. Um, And so, you know, often we look at a top line and as I said before, top line is uh, is vanity. That's not what's really important in business. It's all about gross margin and it's how you maximise those that gross margin. So key metrics for me is gross margin per employee. I think that's a really good one. Cost of acquisition mm-hmm. of a customer I might sound a bit repetitive because I, I think I've talked about this elsewhere in this series, but, but they're really key metrics. But for me, it's the value, it's the lifetime uh, value of a customer um, is really, really important yeah. um, and and where you find customers um, Yes, yeah. it's yeah, and there's no easy answer. There's no silver bullet. Yeah, I think the lifetime value is a key one because it's easier to retain a customer than to acquire one. So if you do a good job and keep them for longer, then eventually the revenue and profits follow. So uh, some good advice there. So I've got one last question for you. You know, we've got this really competitive landscape where big businesses are really hard to compete against because they've got the resources, the marketing budget, and things like that. And you've got some small businesses that actually really do a good job, but they find it really hard to compete against them because the budgets don't allow. So, you know, what are some of the techniques small businesses can adopt to actually have a fighting chance against the big ones? Yeah. And it depends who your customer set is because Mm. there's a whole area of our community who won't buy from big business because they don't think they're going to get the proper service. They won't buy from big agencies because they don't think that anybody really cares. So so actually, I think it's a very interesting kind of place. But I also think there's safety in numbers. And who are your networks or how can you present as a cohort so that you are able to refer? So in other words, the reason why marketplaces are so successful for people who have really small or startup or I've just got this product is because it's really hard to win customers. But if they're in a place where there is already customers, it makes sense. So they've kind of, you know, halved or limited their cost. That's what works for our small business community. Like I, I think we have got, you know, 3,000 or more people in our experience network who've got less than seven employees. So the cost for them to acquire a customer versus a clip of the ticket makes so much sense. So I guess I'm thinking, well, who else works in this space? How can you come together to look like a cohesive group and it doesn't mean you all have to come under the same brand name, but mm. that you've got this element of trust and respect and you're happy to refer business to each other. And, and it actually gives you safety in numbers. There is definitely safety in numbers, but likewise, I'm sure customers like your agility. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, those are some really good uh, key takeaways that I've had from, from you. So really, thank you for your time today. You've been a wonderful guest. Thank you so much for coming on Handpicked. But maybe if I just give you one more question back, where do you see yourself in the next five years? So really what I want to get to within the next five years is where the core business doesn't depend on me. So we touched upon the key man issue. And what I've noticed with the success that we've had so far is a lot of that is the attitude that I bring to the business, to clients and doing a really good job. So everyone feels like they are the only client that I've got 
but it's hard it's been hard for me to get certain uh members filled in the business you know certain uh, roles filled in the business where they can actually do the same level of client servicing so being able to identify these key members of the team and taking myself out of the business has we're getting there but i definitely want to be able to finish that process within the next five years so the business can essentially continue to function in terms of acquiring customers and delivering projects without me being involved great so that's interesting that you spoke about yourself Mm-hmm. So given that I'm talking about a business and your business, where's the business going to be in five years' time? So I feel like if this same attitude is adopted by everyone in the business, so we definitely can hit our goals in terms of revenue. And for me, I think a key metric to measure is revenue per employee because I feel like similar to you know really getting doing more with less, how can we get team members actually be the most productive they can be. Um, so really, you know, hitting the $5 million mark from a revenue perspective is where it's at. But again, you know, just doing that in a way where we actually don't have to do with a large number of clients and we have a really small number of clients that are really happy with us and, you know, do the marketing for us is where we definitely want the business to be in the next five years. Yeah. So I'm going to encourage you to think about what your big, hairy, audacious goal is. Yeah. It needs to be numeric yeah. and it needs to be time-bound. Yeah. And um, and when you can really clearly articulate that, you can get a lot of people on board to help with the momentum yeah. and the flywheel. You know, so when we came up with the $2 million by 2015, people would literally come into the office, they'd look at our scoreboard and they'd go, oh, how are you going? And then we thanked all of our customers because they were so much a part of it. And so I, I really think that, you know, what is it that you're contributing what does success look like? It is not about revenue. Mm-hmm. It's not about whether you're turning over one million or five million. It's how you're making a difference to others. That is the outcome. It is not the objective. Got it. The outcome will be that you're a highly profitable, growing enterprise that is well funded. That's the outcome. It's been absolutely fabulous to have you on the show. Thanks for being so brave. Apparently somebody said that I was scary. I don't know why and I don't know how. But anyway, thank you so much. Good luck with your business. Keep going. Keep growing. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Naomi. Bye for now. Wow. Thanks for listening. Surely there's someone you know who could learn from this too. Please share. Remember to subscribe and we look forward to having you on the next episode of Handpicked.